We went to bed that night, and before dawn the next morning, there was a pounding on the door. Bang, bang, bang. And even before Martin could get to the door, three guys with M16s broke the door in, and uh, one of them took him right out. And one of them came over to the bed, lowered his weapon at me, and yelled, go, go, go. Gracia and Martin Burnham were missionaries in the Philippines when all this happened. They raised their weapons and yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And that's when we knew who had us. Everyone in the Philippines knows who the Abu Sayyaf are. They're militant Muslims who've declared jihad in that area of the world. And we knew we were in big trouble. From this one place I can't see very far In this one moment I'm square in the dark These are the things I will trust in my heart You can see something else, something else Gracia Burnham is our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. After Gracia shares her story, Billy Graham shares the biblical wisdom that Gracia and her husband lived out during their time in captivity. Today, whatever your trouble, tragedy, or distress, I beg of you to trust God. It can be done by receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord now. We can tell you a lot more about receiving Christ as your Savior at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. I didn't exactly feel called to missions. I felt called to Martin. I think God called me to Martin. And if he had stayed in Wichita, Kansas and worked at Cessna, that would have been okay with me because... That would have been my job, to, to be his helpmeet. Um, but he chose, we chose to go to the mission field, and I was thrilled about that. Gracia Jones and Martin Burnham were both children of missionaries. Martin spent most of his childhood in the Philippines, while Gracia lived mostly in the United States and Canada. They met at Calvary Bible College in Kansas City after Gracia had already graduated. I was actually the dean of students' secretary. He had gotten all his aviation training before he came and got his Bible. So uh, I was the dean of students' secretary at the time, and he was in charge of one of the dorms, and he had a rowdy dorm, and he ended up in in the dean's office a whole lot. And that's how we got to know each other. But I loved him because he wasn't the normal, he wasn't the preppy, um have to look a certain way. Missionary kids are different. You know, they they just kind of march to the beat of their own drum, and I love that about him. He was who he was, just a nice guy, and um, I loved being around him. They got married in 1983, and within three years, they were on the mission field serving with the organization that was known then as New Tribes Mission. Today, its name is Ethnos 360. The Burnhams lived on a missionary base. It was Martin's job to fly supplies to the missionaries who were living among the Filipinos in remote villages. We would buy everything that a family needed that lived out in the jungle. Think of all the things your family buys in a month. We would buy that for 12 families, and we would box it up and put it on shelves in the hangar. And then when your flight rolled around, Martin would 
load up the plane and take you your groceries and your school books and your medical supplies and was free to do air ambulance Mm -hmm. evacuations, things like that for these villages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we loved what we did. The Burnham's life in the Philippines would take a dramatic turn in May of 2001 when Martin offered to take some flights for a fellow pilot on the island of Palawan. And Martin was happy to do that. We often covered Mm -hmm. for each other. So we went down to Palawan. We left our children with our neighbors, our co-workers, and we told them we'll be home in one week. Gracia and Martin had three children who were 10, 11, and 14. By the time the couple got to Palawan, Martin was experiencing jet lag. He had just gotten back from a trip overseas, and um, he knew that he shouldn't be flying till he got some good naps. And we called our coworkers and said, where's a place where we can go rest uh, so Martin's ready to fly? And they said, oh, Dos Palmas, a beautiful island resort. You'll get lots of rest there. So they checked in at Dos Palmas with the intention of spending one night there, the night of May 26th, 2001. We went to bed that night, and um, before dawn the next morning, there was a pounding on the door, bang, bang, bang. And even before Martin could get to the door, these three guys with M16s broke the door in, and uh, one of them took him right out. And one of them came over to the bed, lowered his weapon at me, and yelled, go, go, go. And I grabbed clothes and um, just shorts and a T-shirt and grabbed my flip-flops. And he, you know, followed me with his gun out the door. They were taking all of us, not just Martin and I, but everyone in those cottages built on stilts out over the water. Uh, They were taking us to a waiting speedboat. And as we pulled away from the dock, they raised their weapons and yelled, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And that's when we knew who had us. Everyone in the Philippines knows who the Abu Sayyaf are. They're militant Muslims who declared jihad in that area of the world. And we knew we were in big trouble. From this one place I can't see very far In this one moment I'm square in the dark These are the things I will trust in my heart You can see something else, something else In all, there were 20 hostages and about 15 militants Besides Martin and Gracia, there was only one other American among the hostages, a businessman from California. He was killed by the militants about a week after being taken captive. The reason, Gracia says, was just to show they were serious. And that began a year of running for our lives from the Philippine military, who, of course, right away were notified that there were hostages and they were trying to rescue us. So it was a cat and mouse game all all year long for more than a year. It was more than a year for the Burnhams, but it would be less than that for most of the other hostages. A few of the leaders spoke fairly good English and uh, right away they said, um, you are... You are our hostages. We're the Abu Sayyaf. um, And we will be 
asking ransom for you is what they told everyone else. When they got to Martin and I, they said, you are political prisoners. We'll, um, we'll ask the government to make concessions for you, and we'll deal with you last. All but one of the other hostages were either ransomed and set free or killed within five months. One hostage, a Filipina nurse named Edabora, would remain with the Burnhams until the end of the ordeal. Although Abu Sayyaf leaders claimed the kidnapping was part of jihad, Gracious says a lot of the younger militants really didn't see it that way. And I call them young kids because they were, you know, 18 through 25. Um, some of them just didn't have jobs. Some of them were outcasts of society, and they joined the Abu Sayyaf almost as career moves. And they were just there in hopes that a ransom payment would be be made so they could go on with life. One kid had fallen in love with a girl in a neighboring village, and they were poor, and they didn't have money for the dowry, the bride price, and so he was just waiting to get a payoff so he could go get married to his sweetheart. They all had stories. Some of those stories opened the door for Gracia and Martin to share with their captors another story, the greatest story ever told. We asked them, you know, why, what is your motivation here besides the money, the ransom money? And one kid told us, he said, you know, when we die, we're going to stand before Allah. If your good outweighs your bad, you go to paradise. If your bad outweighs your good, you go to hell. He said, well, I've slept around with women. I haven't gotten up to pray before dawn. I've eaten things I shouldn't eat. I've smoked cigarettes. There is no way my good is ever going to outweigh my bad. It's too late for me. And the only way I can be sure of paradise is if I die in jihad. And we were able to tell anyone that spoke English, you know, God sent someone to pay our sin penalty. Jesus took our sin on himself didn't just take our sin, he gave back to us his righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees us through the righteousness of Christ, and there's nothing charged against us anymore because of what Jesus did. Um, so we explained the gospel story many times to the ones who spoke English, which weren't that many. I, I don't want you to think that they all heard the gospel from us because there were five or six different languages being spoken amongst that group. The way Gracia handled the year in captivity was different from the way Martin dealt with it. For me, it was a roller coaster. I would go from one moment, God, you've got this. I am in the palm of your hand. Um, you're going to get us home safely. We'll go back to ministry. Thank you for, for all you've done for us. Thank you for the drink of water we got this morning. Um, and moments later, I would be down in the depths God, have you forgotten us? Do you even know that we're here? And as the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months and the months turned into a year, there was this constant roller coaster for me. Uh, for Martin, he was pretty steady. He, um, he just had such a Christ-like attitude and would always point myself to the Lord. And Gracia believes her husband's Christ-likeness kept their ordeal from being even worse than it was in many ways. Oh, it could have been a much worse story. Yeah. They didn't beat us. There were, you know, there were times they were cruel. Mm -hmm. um, 
they didn't beat us. They didn't abuse me because uh, they loved Martin, which is a weird thing. But Martin made relationships, good relationships with all those guys. He was just that kind of guy. But Martin's demeanor didn't keep their captors from carrying out atrocities against other people. Gracia remembers the time the militants beat an Islamic religious leader beyond recognition. And another time when they decapitated five men in a village. And Martin would say to them, Do you know you're going to answer to God for what you've done today. And they would say, oh, Allah's happy with what we did today. We helped him uh, get we helped him get justice uh, for the wrongs committed against us. During their captivity, the Burnhams covered a lot of ground because their captors were in constant motion on the run from the Philippine military. If we thought we were in a safe place, we would lay low and hang out for days, just being very, very quiet. But, of course, the military knew knew the island yeah. as well as the Abu Sayyaf. And they would find us. There would be a gun battle. We would flee um, often up high into the mountains where it was um, where there was no food. And it was very cold at night. And the, the military didn't tend to follow us way up there because it was very difficult to live up there. So you would starve and freeze up there. And um, we often went up there to get away from them. But then we would be forced to come down where we could find coconuts or banana groves or whatever. Just constant movement, uh, moving, moving, hiking, days and nights on end, hiking, hiking, um, drinking dirty river water, which constant diarrhea and dysentery, always starving, never enough to eat. Um witnessing the atrocities these guys committed as we went through villages. All of that came to an end on Friday, June 7, 2002. By this time, most of the militants had left the group, so it was just Gracia, Martin, and Edabora, the Filipina nurse, along with just a few of the militant leaders. We hadn't eaten in 10 days. Um, we were weak and exhausted um, what we didn't know is several days before that, some supplies had come in to one of the leaders of the group, Sabaya, from a friend on the outside. Well, we didn't know that the CIA had sewn a homing device into the backpack that they sent the supplies into Sabaya, so the military was tracking us. Um, we realized early one morning that the military was on our trail. So we headed off. Um, I told Martin, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this, as I often said. And he said, Gracia, I, I think we're going to get out of here. Um, just don't know when. He said, I've been thinking all day about Psalm 100, um, especially the first verse that talks about serving the Lord with gladness. He said, this doesn't seem like serving the Lord. We've been walking through this jungle for over a year. But let's by faith accept that that's what we're doing. We're serving the Lord with gladness. Uh, we're serving the Lord here, and let's do it with gladness. They kept walking until it started to rain. There were unwritten rules between the Abu Sayyaf and the military. We never f had gun battles at night. We never fought in the rain. So we thought we were okay. We set up our hammocks and some plastic sheeting to shed the water so we didn't get wet. 
we prayed together, laid down for a rest, and the military didn't stop. That day, they came over the hill and just opened fire on us like they'd done 16 times before. And I immediately was shot in the leg, and I hit the ground and looked over at Martin, and he was bleeding from his chest. And I knew that leg wounds might heal. Chest wounds don't. And we just laid there during the gun battle. I don't know how long that lasted. And when I heard the Abu Sayyaf retreating down the river, and I heard the shouts of the Tagalog, the the language of the, the soldiers coming down the hill, I started to move my hands around so they would know I was alive. And they came and uh, started dragging me up the hill and As they dragged me away, I looked back at Martin, and he was white, and that's when I knew he was dead. Jesus, my Savior, when the last deep shadows fall, when in the silence I hear you, in your arms reposing, let me breathe my life away, waking triumph. Also killed in the raid was the Burnham's fellow hostage, Etabora, who had become a dear friend of theirs during the ordeal. They put me on a stretcher, put me on the helicopter, and as we lifted out of there, I remember thinking, um, this isn't how it's supposed to be. <laughs> this isn't what we were asking for. We left Martin Lane in the rain. Uh, we'd been begging God to let one of us go home. We didn't want our children to be orphans. We just asked God, please, for our children's sake, let one of us go home. And I thought, well, I wouldn't have chosen the weak one. <laughs> I would have chosen the strong one. But the strong one died. And um, often God uses the weak I think in Scripture, he says he often doesn't choose the wise and the mighty. He uses the weak ones. Uh, maybe we make a good object lesson that um, if anything good happens with a weak person, it's because God did it. Gracia's experience over that year and two weeks led her to a new ministry. I travel and I speak and I tell our story and it's an old story. But people keep seeming to want to hear it. I think when people hear me speak, they, they think, wow, God can use weak things. If God can do that for her in that situation, God can take me down this path that I wish I weren't walking down right now. And a lot of people are uh, walking down really hard paths today. And... Uh, God doesn't send you down that path alone. He walks with you, and He gives you the strength every day to do what you need to do. And we hang on to Him for all we're worth, and we, we keep going. Morning by morning, I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand. 
The same God who walked with Gracia and Martin Burnham through their terrifying ordeal will walk with you through whatever troubles you face. It all begins with a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We can help you begin that relationship at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. You can have that relationship with God because Jesus Christ paid a ransom for you. And in just a minute, Gracia shares a powerful story that's a reminder of that ransom. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Why do Christians suffer? Billy Graham. The Bible teaches that afflictions are God's appointments for his children. This world is not a place of bliss for the Christians, for Jesus reminded us that while in this world we would have tribulation, you can be sick to the glory of God. The Bible teaches that a Christian can even die to the glory of God. Death for a Christian should actually be a time of rejoicing for those that are left behind because there is the confident assurance that they have gone into the presence of Christ. Though there's an empty spot in our hearts, yet the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You suffering and afflicted Christians, take courage today. God is always with his people through thick and through thin. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Today, whatever your trouble, tragedy, or distress, I beg of you to trust God. It can be done by receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord now. We can tell you more about receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. That site explains that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. Or in other words, he paid a ransom for you, a spiritual ransom. While our guest on this episode of GPS, Gracia Burnham, says someone paid a financial ransom for her and her husband about a year after they were kidnapped. But their captors told them it wasn't enough. They were going to demand more. And I begged them not to do that. Here, Here was what we'd been begging God for a ransom, and they weren't even going to take it. Bad guys are bad guys. And I was so discouraged. And as I was drifting off to sleep that night, um, Martin just kind of nudged me, and he said, Gracia, I'm so glad when Jesus paid a ransom for us, it was enough. You know, just those wise words um, pointing me back to the one who made me and works all things together for good for me. And he did that over and over. And I just appreciate that about him. And I'm going to tell him thanks again very soon. (laughs) Life is short. (laughs) I'll see him soon. It's our prayer that Gracia and Martin Burnham's story has encouraged you and maybe even challenged you to trust God with your whole life. We appreciate the time Gracia gave to us sharing her story, and we appreciate the time you invested to listen. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. A quick reminder that there are a lot of different ways to listen to GPS, including on Amazon smart speakers. All you need to do is say, Alexa, enable GPS, God, people, stories. 
GPS is an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Lead on, oh God.